The following podcast contains explicit language. One definition of explicit language is stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. That's why we use those words. Hello and welcome to episode 319 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Uh, today on the show, we had a couple emails from listeners. We had a flaw question uh, from Prep Test 73, and we had a whole bunch of personal statements. Um, what'd you think about today's crop? We had um, mostly bad statements. We did have one decent one, pretty good one. And interestingly enough, it was someone who had taken our advice and was trying to figure out where to go next. Yep. Keep your sentences short and you have the best chance of having a readable statement. When your reader can understand what you're trying to say, they immediately assume that you're a good writer. And the best thing you can do to make it so that the reader understands what you're trying to say is to just keep your damn sentences short. And that's what that last uh, correspondent did today. This show is going to air on Monday, October 11th. Uh, pertinent upcoming deadlines. You're going to be right in the middle of the October LSAT when you hear this. Good luck. Uh, January LSAT registration deadline is December 3rd. And that's pretty much all you need to focus on for now. Come to my class. Um, I teach every Thursday a study group. Uh, right now, we're going to be wrapping up the October, obviously wrapping up the October 2021 LSAT study group this Thursday. And then we will get started on a November 2021 LSAT study group. That's every Thursday at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. And you can ask me any question you want about the LSAT or law school admissions. All right, cool. let's get to the show. All right, we have a question here from, this is from Prep Test 73, Section 2, number 18. I believe, Ben, it is your turn to read, and uh, I will respond to this logical reasoning question. Awesome. Apparently today I'm a critic. An art historian argues that because 15th century European paintings were generally more planometric. Oh my God, what is that? <laughs> I have no idea. But we have a definition right after it. That is two-dimensional with no attempt at suggesting depth. Okay, so I think about that for a second, right? It's like they they give, they, they do this all the time. This is like a super common pattern. Sometimes they do it with parentheses. Sometimes they do it with M dashes. Sometimes they just do it with like commas. But they introduce a scary word that you've never heard, bef heard before. Mm-hmm planimetric planimetric whatever and it's like will you panic no i will not because i know that you're about to give me the definition the definition is two-dimensional with no attempt at suggesting depth okay so just super two-dimensional no no illusion of depth okay okay and i'm going to go back and kind of reread here an art historian is making an argument that because 15th century European paintings were generally more two-dimensional with no suggestion of depth. You know, the word I want to say, I don't know. I don't know if I'm oversimplifying it, but I just want to say flat. It's like generally more flat. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. sure. Yeah, flat. Okay, but an art historian is making an argument yep. 
that because 15th century European paintings were flatter. Mm -hmm. All right, now go ahead. Then were 16th century paintings. Okay, so the older stuff, 15th century, mm -hmm. was flatter than 16th century. Okay. What does this art historian think? 15th century painters had a greater mastery of painting than did 16th century painters. Hold on. That makes no sense to me. Okay. So like flat's good. Flat's good. What? Yeah, it's weird. Wh why? All right. So that already makes no sense to me. I'm like getting agitated, which is good. If I can get pissed off at these arguments, then that means I'm understanding them, right? That, that certainly has to be counterintuitive to most people. What are you talking about? two-dimensional with no suggestion of depth and that means that you're better yeah okay so i'm expecting now this is a critic relaying an art historian's argument yep so i'm guessing at this point i don't have to be right about this but this is reading comprehension i'm predicting what i think is going to come next because that's going to help me comprehend i'm predicting that this critic is going to be like but that's bullshit because whatever I mean, it sounds like bullshit to me. I'm hoping that this critic is going to say, yeah, but I mean, that's wrong because come on. But All right, go by ahead. the way, I want to point out to everybody, I mean, hopefully you didn't miss it, but Nathan, you, you encountered that word. You then read the definition. You got your mind wrapped around that definition. And then you reread from the beginning so that the definition could now be incorporated into what you were reading as opposed to just being this like thing we kind of gloss over and then you stopped again at the comma like this is a long ass sentence and we've been doing this for years right more than a decade <laughs> i can't imagine not reading that sentence without stopping multiple yeah, it's, times it's it's lawyer shit yeah it's lawyer shit this isn't like reading for some college class where you weren't expected to actually understand it you know, I mean, fuck, in high school, dude, we had a, I had a literature class where, my senior year of high school where we were supposed to be reading um, Canterbury Tales, mm. Chaucer. Mm. It's fucking impenetrable. You cannot understand it. It's, it was like the dumbest. I had a terrible teacher. She thought that the kids were going to understand. We understood nothing. We got nothing out of it. Yeah. And, and it was like, there was just, it was a completely pointless exercise where we were going to, we were never going to get anything out of it because she was bad at teaching it. We were bad at reading it. It's super boring. It made no sense. Okay. <laughs> this is not that. This is meant to make sense. You have to make sense of it. It's not that long. It's a short argument, but you have to take it one piece at a time and you have to win the battle of will. You have to make sense of it. So yeah, there's a scary word, dude. There's what there's, there's a comma, there's the parentheses, there's this, a critic relaying an art historian's arguments. Mm -hmm. There's like so many pieces and parts in that one sentence, but it boils down to some art historian thinks that 15th century painters were better than 16th century painters because their shit was flatter. <laughs> and when you hear that, you have a re hope, you know, most, and then I go, wait, what are, flats good. Yeah. They have a reaction. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, it takes a moment, right? Like maybe it takes 30 seconds, but it's much better to take 30 seconds and actually understand it than it is to take 15 seconds and not understand it. If you take 15 seconds and not understand it, you have wasted those 15 seconds. Uh, if you take 30 seconds and actually understand it, then you have invested your 30 seconds wisely. Completely. I totally agree. And I imagine some people would actually guess 
that the 16th century paintings were flatter or something like that, or the 16th century paintings were better because they would assume that they misread this odd claim, right? Yeah, they're they're like, oh, flat must be bad. Okay, so the fifth, the sixteenth century painters were better. Yep, or something like that. Yeah. No, that's not what it says. Yeah. It makes a it makes a counterintuitive argument that the older, flatter shit was better. <laughs> that's what the art historian thinks. Yep. And now I'm expecting the critic to tee off on that. All right, so let's see now what the critic actually says. Critic continues, however. This conclusion is wrong. Okay. That's the conclusion of the critic's argument. There's only one sentence left. The critic now, just because that's the way this shit goes down. I know that the critic is going to give me a reason why this conclusion that the flatter 15th century painters had a greater mastery of painting than did 16th century painters. That's wrong. Because of whatever is going to come next. 15th century European painters did not have a greater mastery of painting. Okay, that's just repeating yourself. <laughs> like, what's your reason? And the sentence isn't over, but I did stop because there's a comma and then there's four. Yep. And yep. four always introduces a premise or evidence. Four, or because the degree to which a painting is planometric is irrelevant to the painter's mastery. Okay, so it's a shitty argument attacking a dumb argument, yeah. <laughs> or it's a shitty argument attacking a counterintuitive argument. Yes, yeah, so, the counterintuitive yeah. argument was flatters better. Mm -hmm. This critic says actually, flatness is irrelevant to a painter's mastery, which it it does dismiss the art historian's argument neatly, right? It, it, it does. If the conclusion of the critics argument was therefore, you know, this art historian's argument fails, I would go, yeah, it does fail because they have one premise, which is planimetric, therefore better. Yep. And that's if planimetric gossity is irrelevant to the painter's mastery, then fine. Like, yeah, you have not proven that 15th century painters are better than 16th century painters, yeah. but that's not actually the conclusion that this critic reaches. This con this critic says 15th century painters did not have a greater mastery of painting. Yeah. And that's the flaw of going a step too far. It's the flawed argument flaw is a way of, is, a, is one way of putting it. Like the art historian apparently made a flawed argument because they used an irrelevant premise, but the critic makes a flaw of saying, because your argument was bad, therefore I get to conclude the opposite of what you were trying to conclude. Yeah. We've called that the flawed argument flaw before. It's also the flaw of going a step too far. Basically, just because you have defeated someone else's argument does not mean that you then have proven the opposite of their conclusion. Yeah. Another way to think about it, and this is really saying the same thing that you are, but it's, it's how I tend to think in my head. The other person could be right, 
We could be wrong. Or we just don't know. And the other person obviously thinks they're right. And this critic has said, hey, art historian, you're actually, you're not right. You're wrong. And really all the critic is capable of saying right now is we don't know. We don't know whether you're right or wrong because the evidence you have provided is irrelevant. So there's like these three stages, right? Hot, cold, yeah. and like neutral. And right now it's all we can conclude is neutral. When you make a bad argument, someone else can step in and disprove your argument, but that does not necessarily prove anything about the truth or falsity of your conclusion. Yeah. We could, we could make a like, okay, just yesterday I was playing golf. Yep. I was in this tournament that I had no fucking business. My conclusion is I have no fucking business playing in this tournament. Okay. My, my evidence for that is there were 48 teams. My partner and I, we beat three of the 48 teams. Okay. We finished solo 45th out of 48. Oh, all right. Our conclusion was, we have no business playing in this tournament. We should retire from this tournament. It's we're relegating ourselves to lower levels of golf competition. I'm not saying I'm going to quit golf. I'm just not going to play in that tournament anymore because the dudes are too good. Okay. The golf course is too hard. I'm not good enough. Okay. That's my conclusion. Yep. My evidence for that conclusion is I finished 45th out of 48. Now you could step in and, and some of the kids in the class last night, when I was talking about this in class, some of the kids stepped in and said, well, that's just one data point. Okay. They're right. parroting back to you what one. you say to them all the time. <laughs> that, yeah. Which is good. I mean, that means they're learning, right? That is one data point. You're, it's true. That is one data point and fine. Maybe I didn't make a very good argument for the conclusion. I'm not good enough to play in that tournament, right? One data point. It's just one random data point. The next data point could be you finish first. You win the tournament. Okay, that's totally possible. So maybe my argument for I'm not good enough, if it's founded on just one data point, maybe that's a bad argument. But the, the kids then went the next step and said, you're good enough to play. Yeah, yeah. For all we know, we just we don't know whether you're good or bad. You're not not good enough to play. That's just one data point. You can keep playing. You're good enough to play. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> that one data point might not be enough to justify the conclusion that I'm good enough that I'm not good enough. But you don't know all the other data points that exist. Right? <laughs> and so it's an open question of whether I'm good or bad. Yeah. Or whether I'm good enough or not. Yeah. There, there are un, there are other unknowns, right? And it's like, okay, how about last year when we also almost finished dead last? Or how about I never practice? Or how about I'm just like not good at? Like, I don't know. There's a million. There's all this other data around it where we could make other arguments. Yeah. The point is, you know, and, and to, we'll take it back to this question now instead of continuing to talk about my golf game. But this critic validly attacked the art historian's argument and totally defeated the art historian's argument. But defeating an argument does not prove the opposite of that argument's conclusion. Yep. All it does is says, well, planometricity is irrelevant. 
So you have not supported your conclusion that 15th century painters had a greater mastery of painting than did 16th century painters. Yeah. But the fact that you haven't supported that conclusion doesn't mean that, that your conclusion was wrong. Yeah. Your conclusion can still be right, even if you made a bad argument. So I made a bad argument that my, that I'm not good enough to play in that tournament. Fine. But I still might not be good enough to play in that tournament. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Turns out to be a flaw question, huh? Yep. So the question says the argument is flawed in that it. All right. So I'm thinking, what did it do wrong? And and I, I really do want this taught in two steps because if they didn't do it, it's not the answer. I don't even have to think about it anymore, right? If I can't prove that they did this thing, then that's not the answer. Yep. If I can prove that they did this thing, then I have to think about, okay, is it a problem that they did this thing? But I don't have to think about that until I think about whether they actually did it. Yep. Right? So it's not like like an answer that would be a flaw. I don't care whether it would be a flaw until I know whether they actually did it or not. Do I have the evidence to prove this thing? Yeah, exactly. They're not asking you to just go find things that are... <laughs> problematic in any argument they're asking you to find right. something that was problematic in this argument that just happened right now in fact yeah. most of these wrong arguments are flaws they're legit flaws they're just not flaws that happened here yeah like there's gonna be i mean half of these flaw questions have an answer that says confused sufficient for necessary right i mean it's like a, such a common wrong answer yep that it's also the most common right answer. But if they didn't do it, then it's not the answer for this question. No matter how big of a flaw, how important of a flaw it is, if they didn't do it in this argument, which by the way, they did not do it in this argument, because I would have spotted it if they did. Yeah. And so, right. If I start reading an answer that's like confuses correlation for causation or circular reasoning or hold apart or part to whole. It's like, I, no, they didn't do that. Those are all flaws, but they didn't do it here. So it's not the answer. All right, read A to me. A, does the argument reject a position merely because the proponent of the position has other objectional views? Very common flaw. That's a source attack, ad hominem attack. That's not what happened here. They just didn't say, Oh, you think that, you know, pineapple on pizza is good. Therefore, I don't have to listen to your argument about 15th century art. Yep. They didn't do that, so that's not the answer. B, does the argument illicitly rely on two different meanings of the term mastery? Sometimes they do that, you know. Um, they just didn't do it here. I, I don't. I don't remember them allowing the word mastery to shift in meaning where it means one thing in one sentence and then means a different thing in a different sentence. I just don't see that here. Yeah. When this happens um, and you're paying attention as you read, when you read the word a second time in the argument, you're like, whoa, that's not what they were talking about earlier, even though they're using the same word. So you would have caught this flaw when you read mastery for the second time because you would have said, wait a sec, I know you were talking about mastery earlier, but you meant it in a different way than you do now. 
Uh, and then that this would be the answer, but that that was never came up in our discussion. Yeah, if you use the word sick to mean ill in one sentence, yep. mm-hmm. and then use the word sick to mean cool, awesome yeah. in another cool and good in another sentence, then you have illicitly relied on two different meanings of the term sick. That is not what happened here. Yeah. See. Does the argument take a necessary condition for an argument's being inadequate? No, no, I don't, I don't need to read any more of that. That's, I knew that that was coming. I, I'm, you know, there's one way to go fast on the LSAT, which is predict the, I guess there's two ways to go fast on the LSAT, predict the answers and dismiss wrong answer choices quickly. You have to be getting rid of wrong answers fast. Yeah. I'm not trying to go fast. I just know that this argument did not confuse necessary and sufficient. So the second they start talking about that, I'm like, goodbye. Next. Yeah. Next answer. I don't need to read that whole answer. Okay. Cool. D does the argument base its conclusion on two claims that contradict each other? No. An example of that would be you say X equals two. And then elsewhere in your argument, you say X is an odd number. Mm hmm that would be two claims that contradict each other. They can't possibly be true at the same time. That's a very rare, correct answer. It's a very common wrong answer. And you, if you understand what it means to have two claims that contradict, so again, X is two and X is odd. Those contradict or X is even and X is odd. Yep. Those contradict, right? Um, you have to understand what that, looks like and then it's just so easy to say no they did not they just didn't do that yeah e does the argument reject a position on the grounds that an inadequate argument has been made for it yes your honor they did that like i can stand up in court and i can say your honor the record shows Mm -hmm. that this critic has rejected a position, uh, the position is 15th century European painters had a greater mastery of painting. Yep. The, the critic has rejected that position on the grounds that the art historian made an inadequate argument for that position. So the, the art historian's inadequate argument was, well, it was more planimetric, therefore it's better. The critic demonstrated that that was an inadequate argument by presenting evidence that planimetricity is irrelevant to mastery of painting. So the critic did defeat the art historian's argument, but then they went a step too far and rejected the conclusion of the art historian's argument by saying, actually 15th century painters did not have a greater mastery of painting, which is just an open question, your honor. We just don't know that. So the record shows that the critic did what E describes and it's a problem that they did that. So that's the answer. Correct. Nice. Flaw questions are pretty easy. I mean, one, you should spot the flaw. Like you've got to start predicting the damn answers. You, You have to get better at attacking these arguments. They test the same stupid patterns of reasoning over and over and over this rejecting a position on the grounds that an inadequate argument has been made for it is super common in the prep tests in the seventies and eighties. And I'll be kind of surprised if it's not also common in the prep tests of today, like 
the 90s i'm guessing that they're going to continue testing this flaw yeah because they they just change very slowly um so this is super common i spotted it in the passage i knew that that was going to turn out to be the answer and then you know the wrong answers on flaw questions most of them just misdescribe the argument i mean here a b c and d are all things that the critic did not do so it's just like no i cannot prove that they did those things therefore that's not the answer yep and it's real easy to just quickly dismiss those no didn't do it didn't do it didn't do it ah there it is not only did i predict it but I can stand up in court and show, well, hey, the record shows that they did this. And it's a problem that they did it because that's dumb. Simple as that. It is, man. It's <laughs> The LSAT is easy. It, it really is. The LSAT is easy. It doesn't have to be easy the first time you look at it. But if you practice and if you get the right kinds of help, I, I swear to God, it makes perfect sense. And it, it's just, it's so much easier than students make it out to be. Now, you have to pay attention. Like you can't rush through it. <laughs> Think about what novices do. They rush through the argument. They just don't even understand what the critic did. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what the art historian is trying to argue. Yeah. Much less do they understand that the critic dismissed the art historian's argument, but then went a step too far. They have no idea what's going on. And then they get into these answer choices and they're just like, yeah, takes a necessary condition for an argument's being inadequate to be a sufficient. Can yeah, that why can't it be that <laughs> dude <laughs> ask button requests all the time. Say like, that's what people write. And, and I appreciate it. I please ask us questions, ask us the stupidest fucking question, please. <laughs> because asking us a stupid question gives us the opportunity to help you. Yep. So keep asking stupid questions by all means. But you know, it's just like people ask the like, well, why can't it be C? <laughs> it's like, well, um, it can't be C because that is not what they did. <laughs> they just did not do that. Yeah. These words have meaning. There's one answer that they did wrong the other answers they either didn't do it or it's not a problem that they did it here the right answer they did it and it's wrong that they did it and that's the answer and it's clear like it's just a hundred percent just like objectively correct yeah you know it's not it's not a matter of opinion that's the one that they did and it's a problem that they did it and that's the answer Okay. Cool. We got a couple of emails. Um, these are uh, emails from a couple different students. Um, why don't you read the first one for me? Okay. This is from Alyssa. Thanks for writing in. Hi, Nathan. I wanted to let you know how grateful I am for the work you're doing. I started listening to the podcast a year ago. I had the tough conversation with myself that I would wait a year to study and apply for the fall of 2020, sorry, 2022 instead of 2021. I didn't want to wait and wanted to rush it, but I forced myself to slow down. I got an amazing LSAT score, 162, and I have a 4.0 GPA. According to the Demon Scholarship Estimator, that was enough to get me some full rides. Today, I received my first full tuition scholarship offer to a school that I want to go to. 
I cannot thank you enough. You are the reason I waited a year. If I had not listened to you, I'd probably be in law school right now, racking up a ton of debt. By now, I can actually go for free, all caps. I'll be sitting next to students who are paying my tuition, and that feels unreal. Again, thank you so much. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Please continue to do what you do. Exclamation point. You changed my life. Exclamation point. Wow. Okay, there you go. Yeah, uh, that was to both of us. I mean, she sent it to me, but she's a happy student of the demon. Um, I mean, she thinks the 162 is amazing. I I read that and I was like, well, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, it was good enough for you to get your full ride to some school that you want to go to. Um, I always tend to think that people could have done even better than that because they all said it makes perfect sense. Uh, Alyssa, I'm glad you didn't settle. I'm glad you listened to our advice. I'm glad you waited one more year. Look how happy she is. She's using multiple exclamation points and saying that we changed her life, which is humbling and super satisfying. Um, (laughs) that's why we do this, right? That's, that's, that's what really does it for me and for Ben is that we're, we're going to help you play this law school game in a, just a much better way. There's no reason to pay $150,000 of tuition. There's people lining up to pay that tuition for you. These schools want to give you a full ride. If you have the right LSAT and you apply early in the cycle, they want to give you a full ride scholarship. If you're in the same position that Alyssa's in, imagine this, would you be happier graduating one year earlier with mounds of debt or would you be happier graduating one year later with almost no debt having been going to school for free i don't know it's it just seems like a no-brainer yeah i mean you know if you started law school in 2021 then you're going to graduate in 2024 yep If you start law school in 2022, then you're going to graduate from law school in 2025. Okay. So starting law school in 2020 or sorry, graduating from law school in 2024 versus graduating from law school in 2025. Or let's say you're going to have a 30 year legal career. So you're going to retire in 2054 or you're going to retire in 2055? Well, the reality is you're probably going to be able to retire <laughs> earlier, right? If you go to a school for free and not have that debt Dude. and probably be higher <sighs> in your class and yada, yada, yada. Like, come on, man. The time value of that, the time value of that $150,000 that you might foolishly spend on law school tuition. Would you look 30 years out? That's, that's a crazy amount of money. Oh my God. That's a lot of money. 30 years of that invested over time. Yeah. And, and we have, we have news stories all the time about people. They go to law school, they rack up $200,000 in debt. They go into income-based repayment. Yeah. They work their asses off. They make their student loan payments. And the balance of the loans keeps going up because income-based repayment doesn't even cover the interest that you have to pay on those loans. 
there are debt forgiveness programs. They're super complicated and you have to work your ass off for 10 years in public interest and make the payments. I mean, it says it explicitly. It's like you have to make 120 payments. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 years worth of 12 payments a year. And once you've made those 120 payments, then you might get the whole balance forgiven. Okay, great. So that is a possibility. But you also might marry somebody who makes more money than you, or you might, sh you might change careers, or you might like to, I don't know, buy a house at some point <laughs> during those 10 years. And the bank is going to look at your debt, your growing amount of debt and go, hmm, I don't think so. Well, even just in the short term, right? If you look at the next four years, um, you can either do <laughs> three years of law school now and then one at the end, or you can do one more year of LSAT prep and go to school for free. If you save $150,000, could you have earned $150,000 now before law school? <laughs> yeah. Most people know, right. right? And even after law school, since... The bimodal distribution of income suggests that most people are starting with this, what, a salary of around $60,000 or something, or maybe even less. You're not going to make that 150 the first year out of law school. So you're not doing yourselves any favor. The best way for you to make 150 grand right now is to improve your LSAT score and go for free. Yeah. And we're not even talking yeah. about 150 grand because really what we're talking about is we're talking about 150 grand plus all the interest that's going to be added to that. Right. But fine, for the sake of argument, let's just talk about 150 grand. Yeah. I mean, an, even another way, like no matter how you slice it, it's just outrageous in favor of don't pay for law school. Yeah. Wait another year, get a better LSAT score, go for free. Think about, you know, if Alyssa would have gone with her original plan, yep. start law school in 2021, by the time fall of 2022 rolls around, she's going to be 50 something thousand dollars in debt. Oh, <laughs> so think about what's happening instead in 2022. Alyssa is starting her first year of law school, no debt and paying no tuition. If she would have gone with her original plan fall of 2022, she would have been starting her two L year paying $50,000 for that year. And already be $50,000 in debt. Like, why would you be rushing into that? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alyssa. All right. We have another email here. It says, hello, Nathan and Ben. I'm honored to be the 16th LSAT demon Pearl. I'd love an LSAT demon hoodie size large. Uh, and then he gave his address, which I have redacted. This is Spencer. <laughs> I can't remember what the Pearl was, but we do a feature on this show called Pearls versus Turds. If you hear a really good piece of advice and you want to put it through the Pearls versus Turds uh, meter on, it's a turdo meter on the Thinking LSAT podcast, you can send it to help at thinkinglsat.com and get it on the agenda. If we decide that it's a Pearl, we will give you any item from the LSAT Demon uh, swag store. So uh, Brittany just today ordered Spencer's um, hoodie. That's going to be coming out soon. Nice. Those hoodies are rad, by the way. Everybody loves those super thin hoodies. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, I don't know if Spencer you goes on and uh, says Matt at the wedding, not Matt Dumont, the other Matt. Anyways, he just wanted Demon merch 
So I gave him a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Spencer goes on and says, I completely agree with the addition you both made to the advice. I also, I don't remember. I, sorry, this is a bad this is the segment blur. of the show. Remember the blur advice? Oh yeah. The blur. And oh, and the addition was to do it one sentence at a time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, which I just did, by the way, in that flaw question from prep test 73 that we just did. I mean, I was, I was doing the blur, yep. right? I was like, no, Ben, stop talking. I don't want to hear the next bit. Yeah. Right. Like I'm protecting myself from getting confused by blurring out whatever comes next. You can cover it up. You can just don't look at it. Yep. Don't read what comes next until you understood what came before. Yeah. Uh, great. I also agree with the conversation around meeting the expectations we set for ourselves. A phrase I've adopted from Christian Guzman goes proud, but never satisfied. Have you heard of Christian Guzman? Never some guru. Uh, so Christian says, be proud, but never satisfied. That makes sense. I think maybe appreciate uh, Spencer what continues. Look for more yeah. to improve. Sure. Yep. When I first took my diagnostic practice test on Khan Academy, they asked for a quote goal score, which I hate. I hate a goal score. I don't, I don't want a goal score. Um, starting out, I thought a goal of 160 would be amazing and reasonable from a 144. I looked on the Demon Scholarship Calculator and saw that a 160 would give me a chance at a full ride at some schools ranked in the 50s. Three weeks into studying, I hit that 160 goal. And I was back on the scholarship calculator seeing what a 165 would get me. Now the estimator is showing a green full tuition to Columbia with an LSAT of 177, which is three points below my practice test high. So to unpack that, (laughs) Spencer apparently has reached a 174 on one of his practice tests and is getting greedy, going back and looking at lsatdemon.com slash scholarships, playing with the numbers there in the scholarship estimator to see what kinds of scholarships he might be able to get. And now he's determined that if he can get a 177, he thinks he's going to get a full ride to Columbia, Wait. which is what a top six law school. Hold on, I, I'm reading this. Uh, I'm reading this the other way. You said 174. I, I read this that he got a 180 on his practice test. Oh, three points below my. Okay, yeah, all right. So if he has scored a 180 on a practice test, okay, yeah, that could be what he meant. Probably what he meant. You're right. Wow. I misread it. Yeah. Okay. So he's now, you know, he got greedy. So he started at a 144, used the demon, and now he's all the way up. He's So that's a 30-point improvement. Wow. I mean, 36-point improvement. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's asshole pre-law advisors telling their undergrads that they are unlikely to improve their LSAT scores, which is just... It, it's, I hope that they're stupid because if they're not stupid, it is disgustingly cynical. Yeah. I'm assuming they just don't know. I'm assuming they're ignorant. That, yeah. Let's hope, let's hope that they are ignorant because the reality is we see people improve by 20 points all the time. And we see people improve by 30 points increasingly commonly. 
and and I just can't believe that there are pre-law advisors telling their kids, no, oh yeah, no, people pro nah, nah. No. You probably won't improve. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I do think that this really does show how dumb it is to have goal scores. Yeah, you know it's so arbitrary. What? Well, it's it's particularly asinine in sorry Khan Academy's setup at least the way I heard it several years ago so hopefully they've changed it but when Khan Academy first came out I was tutoring a student he told me oh I just got Khan and I put in my goal score of 174 or something like that and I think he was in the 150s and they're like they not only asked him his goal score but they asked him his time frame or which test he was going to take and I think he put like a test that was like a month or two away. And so it was like, okay, well, based on your goal score and your time frame, you need to improve like two points a day or something. <laughs> you need to study for <laughs> 17 and a half hours a day. I think they might have even the estimated two that. Months. I think they did. I think they like said, well, based, you know, on our whatever, we think that you need That's this. so dumb. I- <laughs> it's not linear anyway, right? They're, they're assuming that like, oh, if you put in more hours, you'll improve more. Yeah. And it's like, well... No, because there's diminishing returns and I don't know, you can't really probably productively study more than a few hours a day. Nothing's going in an hour seven. Yeah. So what? (laughs) God. Yeah. Don't all y'all, you want the best LSAT you can get. I mean, you want to go to the best school you can for free. So you want the best score you can possibly achieve. And if, if Spencer would have just, stuck with that goal oh 160 yeah that's good great and then take the official LSAT and get a 160 yeah like okay I mean that is enough as Alyssa pointed out in a the previous email 162 with a 4.0 is enough to go for free yeah just to good schools apparently great good job Alyssa but like it would have been a tragedy for for Spencer to you know he obviously had so much potential and it would have just been so dumb for him to go oh i achieved my goal i'm proud and satisfied and pat himself on the back and just go great let's apply to law school now (laughs) spencer says i plan to have everything ready to hit submit on september 1st of 2022 thanks again to everyone at the demon for making the lsat easy exclamation point best Spencer. Cool. Uh, Spencer, I really hope you'll email us again, you know, one year from now. Today is October 6th. One year from now, I expect Spencer to have multiple full ride scholarships in hand. Yeah. Maybe not to Columbia because some of the top schools, you know, they have the ability to wait a little bit longer in the cycle before they start giving out offers. Yeah. But you know, assuming that Spencer takes our advice all the way and applies to 15 schools or more, a broad range of schools, you know, including a few safety, which boy, with a 177 or a 180, um, Spencer's safety schools will be like UCLA, Georgetown, you know, those types of places. Yeah. I would expect that he's going to have offers from top 20 types of schools one year from today yeah 
And that's why you shouldn't apply late in the cycle. <laughs> like you're going to be competing with the Spencers of the world. Yeah. Which you just don't want to do. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't want to fuck with that. That dude has a better LSAT than you do. And he applied in the beginning of the cycle. Yeah. He's going to law school for free or he's going to like literally, you know, Yale. Yeah. Awesome. Spencer. We have now a whole bucket of personal statements. I'm going to get my timer out. What did we decide? Seven minutes? Something like that. Seven minutes for AA. Okay. This is constructive criticism. We want to make your shit better. Frequently, the first step of construction is demolition. So if your shit is terrible, we're going to tell you it's terrible so that you can destroy it and do something better. Yep. Okay. Um... Also, think about what we're doing here. We are pretending that we're in a law school admissions office. We have a mountain of applications to get through, like thousands of applications for hundreds of available spots. And we just don't have all day for this. <laughs> and we are busy professional people who sometimes get telephone calls in the middle of reading your personal statement. And we want you to be putting your best foot forward. Okay, go for it. Um, I was just adding a note to the end of the show. Here we go. Let me catch back up. Okay. Okay. AA. During graduate school, I served for six months in someplace, an AmeriCorps program focused on bringing the arts to underserved communities and enhancing education in local schools. Okay. Um, some things I like, I'm glad it's not from this person's youth, at least it's from graduate school. Presumably graduate school just finished, so it wasn't that long ago. I don't know that, but... Um, it's a nice way of pointing out that they did go to grad school, which is, a you know, it's not like, it's not all that because grad schools are kind of like money grabs in sure. many cases. Um, but it's still a point in your favor. You know, they're going to go, oh, this person has been to graduate school. You know, they're not just some kid. They, they are, for whatever reason, interested in going to school and probably graduated from graduate school which is a good thing, you know, yeah. it's not like a killer, amazing thing, but it's, it's a feather in your cap. So you're pointing out that you did this. I think AmeriCorps is also a, a feather in your cap. You know, it's like a thing that you did. That's good. What do you think about served? That's the thing I was actually just about to talk about. That's yeah. one of the words I don't love worked and served. I served. I worked is a leg up from, <laughs> so many other sentences we encounter in these personal statements because at least it's an I sentence and it's it's an active verb. You're doing something and it's something that you did in the past. But I would much rather this person jump right into, I mean, he... he well, why not taught? Yeah. Did, did, you, were, did you teach? Did you teach? Did you? Okay, then say I taught. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just more specific. Mm -hmm. uh, served like you could have been serving coffee. Yep. Did, did you, you know, like, did you, 
what what did you actually do i think you could have made a better choice there this is we're quibbling though right we are quibbling but yeah this is how you take a a minus b plus to an a right by the way someone emailed and said we should not use a through f we should instead use 120 to 180 fair enough so this is you know we're we're taking a 160 and trying to turn it into a 170 exactly yeah okay she continues, I was assigned, well, I don't know if it's a he or she, but I was assigned to design a daily summer camp for teachers at a local children's home. For teenagers at a local children's oh, home. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> teachers. Oh, teen, yeah, teenagers at a local children's home. Um, I, again, I don't, I'm glad that we're talking about things you, you did, but this actually, this is a <laughs> passive sentence. It's saying that you were assigned to do this. <laughs> it's just, it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah. The edit is so easy. Yeah. I was assigned to design. No, I designed, I designed. It's shorter and it's active and you <laughs> and are it's doing accurate. it. Yeah. You did that. Yeah. You did that. Unless you, you didn't actually, do your assignment. Which yeah, <laughs> unless, unless you were assigned to do it, but fucked off and didn't do it. No, I assume you did do it. So I designed. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The camp included children who lived in the home and day students from precarious home situations. Okay. In preparation, I developed a curriculum of learning and experiencing music, art, drama, and literature. Okay. I there's there's things about these sentences I just don't love. I, I'm I, there's something about that they're like a little bit vague. Um, I'm going back to the first one. AmeriCorps program focused on bringing arts to underserved communities. Like how did they bring enhancing education again? Like how did you enhance the education Um, here? It feels like this is happening again. I developed a curriculum of learning and experiencing music, art, drama, and literature. Um, Okay. Why not just again, jump more into the act instead of, like, how did you teach them, and I, what did you do to help them experience music, art, drama, and literature? Did you have come? I don't like the construruction of a curriculum of learning I mean, yeah, and experiencing. Exactly. Like it's the of that really bothers me. I don't. I want. Why doesn't it just say I developed a music, art, drama, and literature curriculum? Yeah, I mean the definition like of curriculum that, is to learn something. That's learn and experience. Yeah, we get yeah. it. I would I would cut out the of learning and experiencing because it's just heavy-handed and clunky. Uh, okay, if you want to tell me that you developed a music, art, drama, literature curriculum, fine. Then just cut out those extra words and let's get to the next thing. I agree with that. I, I guess I'm still like taking even a bigger swipe at this idea of developed. Like people like to talk about developing a program, but if you say what you did. It's more concrete, and I'm going to assume that you took the lead on it and that you created it. Like, this is what Agreed. you did, right, as your, part of your your curriculum. Anyways, my program would be one of several which the students could select to attend for the duration of the summer. I have a new least favorite word in personal statements, and that word is would. <laughs> what do you mean my program would be one of several which the i mean what you meant was students could select your program i don't understand the weird time shift into like 
you're you're back in time when you're when you're developing the curriculum but you're you're back in time but you're looking forward and saying what would happen my, this is what would be but that did happen right so just say it my program was one of the several was <laughs> Yeah, was. Why are we shifting yes, not would yeah, be. it's very strange. Exactly. We also have a right. witch. Would I, just, hey, do a control F, look for the word would, and imagine me shitting on it. Like, I I don't think that, I don't think you need the word would. Like, I, I just doubt it. I don't, I don't think you need it's it. It's hard to imagine any scenario where you would. But maybe yeah. there are exceptions, and everybody thinks they are the special snowflake. But um I, it's probably an illicit verb tense shift. Uh, most likely yeah. you don't need to, you, most likely you could have just stayed in the same tense instead of weirdly going into this past, but future looking tense. Uh, don't do that. All right. I'm Second paragraph. Well, I'm going to take another swipe at this. She violates our oh. witch rule, right? She says, which when she should say that because she doesn't have a okay. comma, but stepping back even further, I don't understand the point of this sentence. Why do I need to know that she was, that her program was one of several, like right, yeah. The whole idea should just go anyway, because who cares about those other programs? Exactly. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I care what you did. Yeah. I don't care what the other choices were that these students had available to them. Why is that relevant? Yeah. Okay. So just cut it. Next paragraph. As ten sullen teenagers filed into the dim auditorium on the first afternoon, it was clear to me that not one had chosen to be there. Why didn't you turn up the lights in the auditorium? <laughs> I don't know why the auditorium has to be dim. Like what, what, what are you bitch? Why are you bitching about the auditorium? Yeah. Bitching about the teenagers. I don't mind so much because I'm expecting that you're going to like, you're setting the scene for, Hey, these kids kind of didn't want to be there, but you did something cool. Yep. Great. Uh, but I don't know. The dim auditorium is a little cinematic for my taste. Okay. So you just got a phone call. What do you think? I did just get a phone call. Um, well, the timer ran out. Yep. And uh, I don't know. Teacher Americor. went to grad school. Yeah. Like about to tell me some story about sullen teenagers, but then probably did something good for those teenagers. So like it's inoffensive. Um, yeah. You haven't violated anybody's sensibilities here. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do you didn't like totally put your foot in it, which is great. Um, but I'm not like super excited. Let's, let's give it just a little bit more. Sure. In the coming days, I learned that I would net, I would never know in advance how many students might appear on a given day, how excited or apathetic they might feel or whether they had participated in any of my previous lessons. Okay. That's a violation because it's a reference to a mental state. Yep. It's actually a double reference to a mental state because she learned that she would never that know. She would never know. <laughs> and it's like, all right, this is mental state sturbation. I don't care what you learned that you would or would not know. What you could have said there is, um, uh, different students showed up on different days, different. They felt different way. I don't know. You just, why does it have to be what you're learning that you didn't know? Yeah. You could literally just say the facts. Um, some appeared on some days and didn't show up on other days. We get it. Yeah. Some days I had 10, some days I had four, some days they were, some days excited. they were excited. Some days they were apathetic. Some days they did the homework. Some days they didn't. Okay. 
Cool. We don't need to- just a little more, and then I want to. We got to yeah. get out of here. But go ahead. Faced with a group of sleepy, bored teenagers, I realized. Oh, more mental states. Mental state. I realized that my carefully planned lesson would not work. My previous goal of running an organized, progressive. Yeah, place. yeah. All right. That uh, there at that point, I'm like, no, I've seen enough of that. Like, you're gonna just like heavy-handedly take me through this like I had failed but then I had to revise and it's like okay all right but I don't know (laughs) why not just get to the winning part yeah like it's too sad this is too sad of a story I don't I don't want to hear about the dim auditorium I don't want to hear about the sullen lazy teenagers I don't want to hear about them not doing the homework it's too much or like I want to hear about that in one and a half sentences. Exactly. I don't want to hear about that in three fucking paragraphs. They weren't excited, uh, but this is what I Here's did. what I did. Yeah, focus on the winning. Okay, can we just skip to the last paragraph, like maybe skim through that, and then we're going to get to Teresa. In every role, I am most energized and excited when presented with new projects and responsibilities that stretch the limits of my discipline and require me to think on my feet. Okay, that's just purely telling. That's conclusory, yeah. I hope to test, okay, aspirational. I hope to test and cultivate these skills further through law school. You can cut that sentence. I mean, what do you want to do? I aspire to pursue a career in criminal litigation or civil liberties litigation and to assist nonprofit organizations such as those that have been central to my past endeavors. You can cut out the end of that, such as those that have been central to my past endeavors. Jesus. Endeavors? Really? You cut all that, but like, I aspire to pursue a career in criminal litigation or civil liberties litigation, period. Great. Perfect. That's fine. Uh, Like, I'll give you a couple short sentences like that in the very end. That's fine. But I don't need a whole, this is a whole full paragraph of it. Yeah, it's too it's much. It's too much. In the next sentence, I treasure opportunities to learn. And I am confident that the experience and skill I've gained will don't richly support fuck. my legal studies. That's great that I you no believe fucks. you're a kick-ass <laughs> yeah. future attorney. I'm trying to decide that. No you're doubling down on that is not going to convince me. In fact, it's going to have the opposite effect. I'm going to be like, hold up. Really? Um, maybe not. That sentence has treasure and riches in one sentence. Ooh, wow. I treasure opportunities. Sounds like you have money on your mind. (laughs) This will richly support my legal studies. It's all just conclusory. It's all bullshit. Cut all that. Yeah, even the aspire sentence that you endorsed is bullshit, but we'll grant you one of those because it does at least sound like you are familiar with the field. You were specific. Right. You said criminal litigation or civil liberties litigation. In case the reader wonders what you intend to do, yeah. you give them one sentence that says, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay, great. That's fine. But you don't need the double, con- the double conclusory, I am confident <laughs> about my experience. Like no one cares how confident you are about your experience. We care what you did with that confidence. So waste, you're wasting that space. And instead you could have like fleshed out more about what you actually did. All right. Ready to move on to Teresa. Yeah, go for it. Thank you. AA. Over the past four years, I have worked with the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services parentheses CMS as a federal contractor on the quality payment program, parentheses, QPP. 
again with the worked as the verb instead of something more specific like what did you do what, what worked is so vague the QPP is a federal program that aims to transform the Medicare physician payment system by focusing on the value and quality of care provided to Medicare beneficiaries rather than the volume of care provided to patients. Okay, that's not about you. That's about the QPP. Yep. I don't care about the QPP. I care about you. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, wait, aim. I just cut the whole rather than. I don't care what it doesn't do. Yeah. I mean, if I'm here to learn about you and what you do, you might need to tell me about the program that you work for. Yep. But I definitely don't care what they don't do. I care what they do do. So get rid of the rather than clause in that sentence. I also earned a master's in public health parentheses MPH. Please don't do that. Uh, why do we need it? Why do we need an abbreviation for that? Oh, by the way, do they use it again? Nope. I don't see it. MPH does not appear later. Okay. This, so this statement not, is filled with these. It is cute. just scanning it. It's like, there's a hundred fucking acro- Is it an acronym? What, what I forgot about the difference between an, there's an acronym and there's a something else. And it's yeah. the difference is if it's a word or not. Hmm. Anyway, we'll figure that out. Um, I also earned a master's in public health, focusing on public health administration and policy at the redacted while working with CMS. (sighs) Okay. I hate this. This is a, it's a weird shift into something that's on your resume. It doesn't tell me what you did at CMS. I thought you were going to tell me what you did at CMS. And instead you're like, also I did a master's. It's like, okay, what story are you trying to tell me here? Yeah. Yeah. This is so strange. The first sentence is about you. The second is about QPP, which I've forgotten what that is at this point. And then now the third sentence is telling us something on your resume. You are not moving the ball forward. It's a data dump without a, like without a, purpose it's it's just yeah and you're Um, you're you're flooding your statement with these acronyms or whatever they called these abbreviations and i'm i'm if i was a if i was a reader i think i would stop i think i would just be like oh i'm sick of this and there's two more of them coming here through through my professional and academic careers comma i honed in on my interest by the way Error. Error. (laughs) You don't hone in on something. You home in. You can, yeah, you can hone, H-O-N-E. You can hone a knife. That means to sharpen. You can hone a skill, which means to sharpen that skill. You can home in on a goal. Yep. But you don't hone in on anything. So that's an error. That's you've now made a a a grammar error in your first paragraph, I honed in, it's a very common one, but just don't honed in on my interest, health information, technology, parentheses, health it, which then is weirdly capitalized. Health is capitalized there, even though health information technology was not capitalized, but now you're capitalizing health it uh, is very strange and interoperability. 
Wow. Which I have no idea what that is. I feel like I'm listening to like a robot. The Department of Health and Human Services, parentheses HHS, <laughs> describes health IT as the electronic systems healthcare professionals and patients use to store, share, and analyze health information. Now, this is now sounding like a, a paper that you wrote in college. <laughs> right? Like yeah. the... It's like a citation. The Department of Health and Human Services describes health IT as blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Who who are you, Teresa? What? <laughs> like, I have no fucking idea. You know, you're telling me what you're interested in. Yeah. But you're not telling me what you've done about it. Oh, by the way, I <laughs> I wanted to talk about honed in. Grammar mistake, right? One. But two, honed Home to home in on something tells us what you're focusing on. Why not just say focus? Also, it just seems like a mental state to on some level, right? Oh no, yeah, it's a right. No, there's lots of mental states. Yeah, and it's just not about Teresa. Yeah. You know, the next sentence: These technologies aim to reduce paperwork, improve patient follow up, enhance security and access to health information, and facilitate increased information oh sharing. Comma. God also known as interoperability, which you said in the previous sentence. And I don't fucking care. I don't care. I'm not interested in this. I'm interested in you, Teresa. You're just wasting space here by telling me about some weird government programs that I don't, I'm not saying these aren't important programs. I'm sure they're very important programs, but that's just not the purpose of this document. Like, why are you giving me some weird, this is like a high school paper about, these government programs about health it it's like yeah. you're answering the question what is health it we don't care about what is health it we want to know what last, is teresa last sentence of the first paragraph i am drawn to health it because of the potential these technologies have in improving patient health outcomes and reducing provider burden when effectively implemented i teresa please for the love of god make your personal statement personal and I don't mean like oversharing family shit. What I mean is, or like your own health problems or whatever. I don't mean that. What I mean is, what do you do? Time up. Okay. So yeah, like we, if we're interrupted there, it's like, I don't, I have no idea who you are. Like apparently you went to grad school and you're a federal contractor of some sort. You know, it's weird. Uh, after the first statement, when the timer rang, we weren't like going to bat for AA, but it was like, okay, seems like a app. I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm annoyed. I, I'd be I, like, oh, like, what is this? I, I'm like, yeah, my, my takeaway is federal contractor went to grad school, bad advocate. Yep. Like not good at advocating for herself. Doesn't understand the assignment. Doesn't understand the assignment. Not following the assignment. Like you're not, you're data dumping about topics that I don't understand or care about. And you're not telling me anything about you and you're not showing yourself as a killer. You're, you're, it's just a waste of time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, second paragraph, as a federal contractor, I gained valuable experience working with health IT and interoperability policy and partaking in the formal, the formal rulemaking process. I, 
like that's a conclusion you claim to have gained valuable experience, but I haven't seen you doing anything yet. I have no idea what you do as a federal contractor. I have, I have no idea what your job is. And <laughs> like this, you could do absolutely anything. I have no idea what you're talking about. Also this partaking in the formal rulemaking process, like makes me think you're, you're, you were sitting in the room listening, taking notes or something, and you're trying to claim credit for this so you can look like a lawyer. Like, oh, look, I, I had to take notes for somebody, and it was part of a formal rulemaking process, and yeah. I want to show that I was part of that. So, look, doesn't that qualify me for law school? But I have no idea what you mean by partaking. It, in my role, I analyze QPP policies regarding health IT and interoperability. <laughs> Stop saying interoperability, <laughs> please. That's the fourth time you've said interoperability. And I still don't know what it means. I still don't know. I don't know or care what it means. And you've said it four times now. <laughs> it's like you're just totally losing your reader. Uh, as prescribed in the, and every single one of these words is capitalized. Medicare program payment policies under the physician fee schedule final rule. Oh my God. All those words except for the are capitalized. What are you talking about? What do you do? I would be like, just done. I'd be like, uh, uh, uh. if she has a killer LSAT score and GPA, I'm probably going to admit her anyway. But if I'm on the fence, if she's on the bubble, I'm going to be like, let's find somebody who can like make a case because this is not making a case. First sentence of the last paragraph, as a non-traditional applicant with over five years of experience working in various health various health sectors and advanced knowledge in public health policy, there's a claim. I am uniquely suited to pursue a legal career. <laughs> if you are uniquely suited, Teresa, you don't need to say that you are uniquely suited. Oh my gosh. Just say what you did in a more plain spoken manner. I have no idea what you actually do. <laughs> <sighs> then she redacted. She Apparently she's only applying to one law school, which is a mistake. What? Or she's going to do this for every law school, but she's got attending redacted will blah, blah, blah. The redacted is a well-regarded legal institution in the areas of both. So now she's like telling them how well-regarded <laughs> their program is, which they know much more about than she does. I am confident in my ability to excel in law school and actively contribute to the blank as it. So again, with the like specific, so she's this whole last paragraph is about the school, not her. Uh. If, if I work for that school, like you're coming in, kissing my ass, telling me about my school and I'm like, yeah, but I want to know about you. <laughs> I, I, this is a one forty. 140. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to give AA a 155. Sure. Teresa's a 140. Teresa, you're violating way too many of our commandments. I mean, you use the word unique. You, you, you keep talking about your job. You keep talking about these, you know, describing your job and describing all these government programs. You're not telling me anything about you. I just don't feel like you're really following it's way too many conclusions 
yeah about your skills and your you your qualification it's like no god damn it what <laughs> can you please make it so that i can understand like you gotta show yourself doing something Oh, by the way, she says passion with my passion oh my for gosh. health IT and strong motivation to sit. Yeah. Sorry, Teresa. Did she you go through go back the, to the drawing board? Uh, form? Yeah. The only way you get on to the show these days is you submit via LSAT.link slash statement. But that form is not having the desired effect. We, we need to figure out ways to tweak that to like make it more of a like there needs to be a bigger barrier. You need to collect people's people credit cards. Following or our advice. If you violate, if you say you didn't violate these rules, but you did, we're going to ding your credit well, card. Well, if I do a control F and you use the word passion, it's like, goodbye. Like, uh, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ready for R's personal statement? <clears throat> yep. Seven minutes. Go. Yep. As a then novice to mountaineering and alpine climbing, I summited Mount Rainier, an active. Strato volcano misspelling on summited it Ooh. has one t not two okay i summited mount rainier an active strato volcano in the cascade volcanic arc and the highest peak in the cascade range at an elevation of over 1400 feet 14000 feet <laughs> my eyes are killing me all right yes 14000 feet cool what do you think um, I want to hear more of the story. Sure. It's a little bit much about, do I need to know that it's an active stratovolcano? Yeah, Probably not. It's distracting. Like, it's a 14,000 foot peak. It's Mount Rainier. I, I get it, but all right. What else you got? I was familiar with endurance sports and as an avid hiker, marathoner and cyclist, I was confident in my ability to make this ascent. However, okay, double mental state reference. Don't like that. Yep. Familiar and confident. However, this climb included technical conditions and required a set of skills and equipment I didn't have yet. Oh, sorry. Included. Did I say that right? This climb mm -hmm. included technical conditions. All right. Um, I studied. I'm listening. I'm fine. It's like this is a I think that this is an achievement. Sure. I'm I'm willing to listen to our doing something cool. Yeah. You know, it required skills, it required equipment, it sounds hard. I'm expecting a success story. The writing is clear enough. I'm a little irritated about the misspelling in the first goddamn sentence. Um but I'm willing to keep reading. Sure. Okay, I studied the mountain terrain, avalanche conditions, weather patterns, and requisite gear. I confirm. Okay, I like that it's an I sentence. I like that studied is an active verb. Yep. I'd prefer three items in your list rather than four. I don't know that I need to know all of these things. Right. I think probably, right, exactly. Cut the terrain or something. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I confirmed with experienced climbers how to handle potential problems I hadn't confronted in the past. Uh, you confirmed with them? What do you mean you confirmed? 
Could you That's confer so with them? <laughs> yeah, right. That does sound like maybe a misuse and what he meant was conferred. I mean, maybe he's like, I figured out how to solve them and then I just confirmed. But it's a Even weird, then, strange it's, it's, yeah, strange it's weirdly claiming knowledge, yeah. right? It's like, I figured it out and then I confirmed with them that I was good to go. I, okay. Yeah, it's a little odd. Um, f- for several months, I trained... I trained to improve my physical fitness and nutrition. Okay. I practiced strategies for weight reduction of my pack, base camp conditions, and assuaging altitude sickness with my small climbing team. Am I saying that right? Assuage is like to minimize, right? Or to It's pacify. to make an unpleasant feeling less intense. Uh, you know, like stop trying to use fancy words that, that to me is like, it's just kind of an irritant because it's like it, it, I read it and I go, "Eh, did you really use that correctly? (laughs) Did you could have chosen some other word? Like you could have just said dealing with altitude sickness. I'm not sure. Or preventing altitude sickness or avoiding altitude sickness. But assuaging, assuaging, yeah, to make it feel less intense. I don't think that's what you meant. I actually think it's a misuse of the word. And that's the annoying thing, right? Is that people go out of their way to try to use these fancy words and then they use them incorrectly, which is just like double irritant. I also think there's something broken about this sentence. I practice practice strategies for weight reduction of my pack. Okay, by the way, I don't think you need to practice a strategy for weight reduction of your pack, right? You need to just take shit out of your pack <laughs> or get better equipment, but you're not, what's the practicing a strategy for weight reduction? I also don't, but this is where I think it also gets broken. Like, even if I can kind of understand that I practice strategies for base camp conditions. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> There's no such thing as practicing a strategy for base camp conditions. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little disappointed here. Stop with the lists. Yeah, like it's too many lists. Yeah, you got too many commas. <laughs> there's just there's just too many commas. Yeah, you you end up with broken sentences when you have all these lists. But okay, I'm still like story wise, theme wise. I'm like okay, all right, what happened? Yep, which is fine. These are two short paragraphs, so it's like okay, despite all these errors, it's. Okay. I'm still Theme like stumbling wise. through and, and I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. Third paragraph. We endured below freezing temperatures and confronted glacial inclines that required mental metal crampon boot fixtures, ice axes and harnesses, more lists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you could have stopped at inclines period. I mean, like I'm not an idiot. I have seen mountaineering before. So like when you say you've got a pack and you're going to base camp and you're climbing this mountain, I like I already you've the ice axe was already in your hand. Yeah. You didn't need to tell me about it. Okay. Why? Um, I, I'm actually a little confused right now. Is this during the hike or is this in preparation for the hike? It feels no, like, this got to be during the hike. So now we're, sh- we're shifting to the hike. Okay. Right. Yeah. Despite unexpected injuries, Please tell me what those are. Severe winds and after several days on the mountain, culminating in close to 30 hours of mountaineering. Oh, my God. Too many lists. You have these three Too items. Too many words. Now you need your shorter sentence sentences. It's going to begin. Are. 
Yeah, you're not a good enough writer to pull off sentences that are this long. It's also just you, not parallel. You, there, none of these, yeah. a lot of these lists aren't parallel. We concluded right. our climb to the summit and safe descent to base camp. Wait, so it's over? <laughs> all that? All that buildup and you're already home. It's like, and we did it. We got it. Cool. Check. Boom. That's uh, it. That's the whole story. That's three paragraphs. Weirdly, it's like three very short paragraphs. And it just like, it's all this buildup. And then it's like, and we did it. It's because he, he wrapped everything into his lists. <laughs> right. Yeah. These lists, it was a missed opportunity to say more like, uh, dude, several months of training to improve my physical fitness and nutrition. But then he goes on to a list about other weird things. I don't know. Like the gear he needed yeah. to put his foot into ice. Um, Odd. Yeah. <laughs> Unexpected injuries is a, it's a mental state reference. Yeah. It indicates lack of preparation, which is not a point in your favor. Uh, like what? You're telling me that you didn't expect it? I thought you did all this. What happened about when you confirmed with experience? <laughs> Maybe that's the problem is that you confirmed with them instead of conferring with them. <laughs> like if you would have conferred with them, if you like actually fucking asked them a question, then you might have like expected these injuries. Like watch out for this. Getting. Instead, you're just like, but instead, hey, I know this. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, sure, buddy. You got it. Great. <laughs> go, go for it. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. See you when you get back. If you get back. But anyway, he, he, so he, yeah, I like how he just goes like, he just lists unexpected injuries. No explanation. <laughs> but then 30 hours later, he's back at base camp. Okay. Safely. Safe. Safe. He got a broken leg, but he's back at base camp. <laughs> Check. Did that. Okay. Now we're, the, I, can, I can't wait to see where we're going to go here. Where, where is, are we going to go? This next sentence is, <laughs> your LSAT score is sliding. Uh, or sorry, your personal statement score. Um, as I had hiked, I contemplated obstacles I was facing at work, mental state, and I returned to my projects with a renewed approach. Conclusion. <laughs> My f what do you mean renewed approach? <laughs> renewed. <laughs> what? This is this is uh trying to use new words or something. My firm practiced administrative my firm practiced administrative law litigating workers' compensation claims and I reviewed financial risk indicators and produced mitigation recommendations for reductions in employers' insurance claim costs. <sighs> That is a long, clunky uh, sentence. I don't know why you merge them together. One's about your firm and the other's about you. Yeah, use a damn period sometimes. However, however, by the way, Brian Garner and a bunch of other people say, don't put the however at the beginning of your sentence. I think it's a good suggestion. It's just really heavy. However, when I reviewed our past data analysis reports and proposals, they were laden with statistics but lacked illustration of our methods to reduce claim numbers or costs. I don't think you need however and but in the same sentence. Yeah, it's too it's too much. It's also just like wordy um, and laden. Again, I think you're like trying to be 
fancy word. Laden. It's not that fancy, but still, it just feels like you're trying. Further, that's also this is another heavy word. You could just do also or drop it. Our internal archive housed per- pertinent information, but failed to consolidate it in a meaningful way without extensive and time-consuming reorganization. All right, I, I'm done with this one. I, 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 I agree. I don't. Where are we? What? What? Like, where are we going? I thought we were going to climb a mountain. Then we, like, just Then we quickly descended and went into some, We safely quickly descended to base camp with unknown injuries. And then now you're back at work and you're telling me a bunch of boring shit about insurance claims. But I, I still don't know what you did. That whole paragraph is you bitching about things that were broken at your firm. I don't see what this has to do with your, you know you contemplated obstacles while you were hiking the mountain. That's like way just heavy handed, like trying to tie these two totally unrelated things together. Like, are you going to tell me a story about work? Or are you going to tell me a story about mountaineering? I, I don't think you want to try to tell me both of these stories, at least not the way you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, then we got a long ass paragraph about, I don't know, shit you did at work that you fixed a problem, which is, Probably what you should have just told me about. I mean, I don't know. I can see two different statements here. One about mountaineering, one about work. But I I don't, I just don't want both. How about this last paragraph? As I fielded questions from our clients that became more informed. Wait, wait. And we skipped a whole paragraph. So he's doing something to inform the clients. Yeah, no, I think this is still uh, bad writing. No, what I'm, okay. So here's the thing. He uses the word that after the word clients. He should have used the word who, if that's what he's referring to. But right now, as it stands, it's referring back to the questions. So the questions themselves became more informed. Right. So anyways, as I field questions, as I fielded questions from our clients who became more informed, somehow, I don't know how they became more informed, we streamlined, we streamlined our team's response, teams, teams's response, teams's, time, <laughs> our teams's response times to concerns and cut to concerns there. God, we streamlined our team's response times, period. And my com is that even right? Like, is there multiple teams or is there one team? I don't think you can streamline a response time, by the way. <laughs> I think you can you can streamline your team's response. Yeah. Or you can, like, cut your team's response times. But you can't streamline your team's response times. Time is set. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And my conversations with our... Wait, what? Comma. And my conversations with our current and prospective customers to justify our services became less frequent. I really don't like your writing. Sorry. I'm done with this. Let's cut. I'm done. Um, That's like a 140. And I, it's this, this is one where I think R spent a lot of time on this. Like it's like, it looks like R is writing as hard as he can. Yeah. And I'm just seeing too much artifice and not enough like actual facts. Yeah. You need shorter sentences. You need to run this shit through Grammarly because there's like a hundred errors here. Anything else? Yeah, that's all. Here's Amelia. Cool. I am a certified flight instructor and adjunct professor 
in the Aviation Science Department at Redacted Community College. I have worked in this position for five years, over the course of which I have taught a wide range of aeronautical subject areas to both domestic and international students. There's an easy edit there. And it, this is like why this is a perfect demonstration of why you need to stop fucking say worked. Stop saying worked. You could have said in the past five years, I have taught a wide range of aeronautical subject areas to both domestic and international students. Instead, you know, instead of just saying in the past five years, I have taught or for the past five years, I have taught you weirdly had to say worked. I have worked in this position. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like you just said that you were an adjunct professor, flight instructor and adjunct professor, which is cool. I want to hear about this. Yeah. But you're just using way too many words, Amelia, to get to the point of for the past five years, here's what I've done. Yeah. So stop talking about your job. This is a very common flaw. Everybody keeps saying their job, their position, their role. You never need to say any of that stuff. Yep. Just say what you did. Um, and you don't need to say you worked. You don't need to say you were asked. You don't need to say you were assigned. You don't need to say you worked. Say what you did. Yep. Okay. I also teach and do curriculum development no you Amelia. develop curriculum <laughs> you develop curriculum <laughs> i also teach and develop curriculum for redacted academy a flight school that partners with our college i don't hate i, I writing wise this is like a 140 topic wise i am into it i want to hear about this i think the writing's actually better we're just we're seeing how it, we're just saying how it could be even better right at least there aren't any obvious mistakes it's just extra words okay 150 yeah the writing gets a 150 but it it definitely could be better yeah um okay that's the first paragraph second paragraph by the way look how short this statement is Wow. When I was first hired by the college, most of the courses required to obtain a degree in our program were highly structured, except for the actual flight training itself. At the time, our students received one-on-one, -on -one, you need to probably dash hyphens there on one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. At the time, our students received one-on-one -on -one ground and flight instruction toward their pilot certificates that varied in quality depending on the teacher assigned to them by our partner flight school. Is that uh, not a run-on sentence? Just... No, it's technically not because of the word that, but I... But the that is referring... To the certificate. Back to the instruction, right? Oh. So the problem there... Here you'd want to. I think you need to cut toward switch. their pilot. Just cut toward their pilot certificates. That sentence is much more readable if it says, "At the time, our students received one-on-one -on -one ground and flight instruction that varied in quality depending on the teacher assigned to them by our partner flight school." Do we right? even need the, the whole the, ground and flight? I feel like Amelia is just very maybe wordy, not right. Our students right, probably received cut one -on -one ground instruction. Okay, presumably it has to do with flying. I don't even know what ground. we're having a hard time, Amelia, understanding the point of that sentence yeah. because there are too many words in that sentence and you need to cut it down. 
I think the point you're trying to make is that the students were getting instruction that varied in quality depending on the teacher assigned to them. Yep. And because we're talking about flight instruction here, I think I'm meant to understand that this is a problem that these students are getting instruction of varying quality before they go get in an airplane and fly it. Yeah. Or while they are flying an airplane. Yeah. But you just have so many words in that sentence that you just bury the meaning entirely. Like we just, we lose the meaning of your sentence. I standardized these lessons by creating a full course of accurately referenced PowerPoint presentations. What? Guided reading assignments, narrated lecture videos, missing Oxford comma, yep. and printable study aids. Why do I give a shit about accurately referenced PowerPoint presentations? Yeah, it's a weird distraction. It's like, oh, I'm glad you put together a PowerPoint that that references supposedly authoritative sources. Like, what? But who cares? No one cares. This isn't an academic... Th this is not a... Like, if this were a, a legal brief, then you need accurate citations. Yeah. I'm understanding that this is a class you taught to your students and accurately referenced PowerPoint presentations. I mean, I guarantee the students didn't care. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> care. Like, I, I don't know why you're throwing that in there. These materials became the foundation of a series of group ground school courses taught by myself yeah. and others at the college leaving only the physical flying of aircraft as an individual student pursuit at the flight school. Hey, Whoa. Amelia, yeah. you need to put fewer words in your sentences. Like you, you just, and this is real, real common, but people just put too many words in their sentences. That last sentence there was 37 words. Oy. I learned that you need to have 35 words as a hard maximum, but I think most students are going to do better. Most most of my our students, and if you're listening to this show, I consider you my student. Um, you, you can just let's go like 25 words hard max because I think you got to stop saying 35 because I think then 25 sounds yeah. like oh, though that's actually reasonable. Whereas 25 is our heart, like that's a lot of fucking words still. It if you can pull it off, we won't even notice, yeah. But you guys can't pull it off. And we continue to notice that your sentences are just they're, you know, even if they are technically correct, which they frequently aren't. Yeah, they're hard to read because they're so long. They're just clunky. They just it just doesn't sound good. Y'all, you need to keep your sentences shorter. 25 words hard max. Yep. Um, okay. If you're interrupted right now, what do you think about Amelia? I don't love her writing, but I'm thinking, okay, well, she's a certified flight instructor. That's not. And an adjunct professor, right? It's yeah. like, oh, okay. So academic and flight instructor, which is pretty cool. I think like anything, you know, sort of like, wow, you were out in the world, the real world's doing things in the real world that real people do. Um, that's cool. Teacher's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm going like 
jumping up and down or feeling FOMO if you end up going somewhere else, but I'm, I'm interested. Last paragraph. Current data shows that only five, wait, is it, am I reading this or are you reading this? I don't remember. I always lose. Huh? I think you're reading it. I'm reading it. Yeah. Current data shows that only 5.4% of pilots are women. And while the number of female aviation lawyers is increasing, we are still underrepresented in the industry. I will continue to strive for success and quality as I work toward adding myself to that latter group. Hmm. Little, it's just so vague. I will continue to strive for success. I mean, you want to be a, you're going to be an aviation lawyer. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. You kind of, it seems like you know what you're getting yourself into. I would just, I would, I, so aspirational sentences are already problematic but we're going to grant you one or maybe two at the end to help the reader see your vision for why you're going to law school. I would much rather her just say, Hey, uh, I plan to work in aviation law or whatever that, whatever the term is for that area of law, rather than this, like a striving for success and quality uh, I don't your reader like you need to respect your reader. Your reader is willing and able to make inferences. I'm not dumb. If you would have said current data shows that only 5.4% of pilots are women and while the number of female aviation lawyers is increasing, we are still underrepresented in the industry. Period. And that's all you said. That's it. If that was the final sentence of your statement, I would go, Oh, she wants to be an aviation lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like it, I know you're applying to law school. I know that you're a flight instructor. If you bring up female aviation lawyers in your final sentence, I'm going to go, Oh, you want to add yourself to that group. Right? Instead she goes with the heavy handed, as I work toward adding myself to that ladder group. Ladder. Like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. another I, thing. Like, please don't say the word ladder or former. You just don't need to. I'm also wondering, so current data shows that only 5.4% of pilots are women. And while the number of female aviation lawyers is increasing, is that weird that she goes from percentage percentages and then the next thing is numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all the time we got for Amelia. I mean, you know, it seems like it could be longer. It's very short. There's only five short paragraphs here. Yeah. Mm. All right. I hope that was helpful. Want to do E? Yeah. Should this be the last one? (laughs) today maybe yeah we've got four more on our agenda <clears throat> yeah we sorry everybody we just can't get to them all we're we're doing our best um i i should point out here that i'm not even responding to ones that are like just blatant violations yeah um i i open them up i promise i open everyone i only am putting ones on the agenda now that i feel like i mean 
I, it seems like some slip through the cracks sometimes, but I am only putting ones on the agenda that I feel like actually are following our advice because if you respect our time, then I am more willing to respect your time. Um, but I'm not responding to some of them that are just like blatant violations. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, it's lsat.link slash statement if you want to try to get on the agenda. Cool. So this is E's statement. Uh, E's statement has a preface to us. It says, hey, Ben and Nathan, I cut a lot of the statement after listening to your podcasts and reading your articles, but now it feels unfinished, question mark. How can I make it better? Thank you for your help. All right. Here we go. Okay. I moved to Israel during the peak of COVID-19 to participate in a fellowship teaching in a fellowship teaching English as a second language. Okay, so the active verb here is moved. I think we've talked about this before. I don't want to hear about you moving. Um, I'd rather just international moves are kind of interesting. Yeah. Moving during the pandemic is kind of interesting. It just depends on what your point is. But I, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, whatever. What I don't like is to participate in. Mm, mm-hmm. Why not I moved to Israel during the peak of, of COVID-19 to teach. teach English as a second language? That would be much clearer. To participate in a fellowship, and then the fellowship is <laughs> teaching English as a second language. You're oddly distancing yourself from what you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spent the first half of the school year teaching third graders in a low-income Arab neighborhood Arab neighborhood and the second half in a special needs high school. Okay. My co-teachers and I developed two separate year-long curriculums that catered to the levels of our two groups. For our younger students, we focused on the basics of grammar and word building. I created grammar worksheets that I provided to our other teachers, to other teachers in the school. I met with my program's pedagogical director to create an online toolbox with activities and lesson plans for other participants on the program to use. Why do you have to meet with them to do that? Like, why don't you just create it with them? Yeah. I don't know why the meeting has anything to we, do with we anything, had a, but I, I want to point out that this is the best one we've read by far. So far. Yeah. Look, I haven't stopped. Right. That's why. Exactly. Because it's like the, the sentences are short. They're clear. They flow. The sentences are short is the key to that. <laughs> well, they're short and they're also like things that this person I did. Like there's, yeah. you're shifting back and forth between I did this, I did that, we did this. It's like, sweet. I'm visualizing you doing shit. Yeah. My co-teachers and I videotaped skits using whatever props we could find in our apartment that we sent to our students to keep them engaged in our lessons. Um, unfortunately, a majority of our students lacked the technology to attend the virtual classroom. To ensure that struggling students were not left behind, I communicated with their parents by cell phone to send assignments, videos, and words of encouragement. By cell phone? Why do I care? <laughs> yeah. Um, Just you communicated with their parents. I, I get it. I don't... Okay. But anyway, I mean, I'm. this is... It's a 170, right? Mm. And I'm trying to make it a 175. Yeah. Transitioning back to in-person teaching. Is there a hyphen in in-person there because it's defined yeah. teaching? Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Both of those words are modifying teaching. It feels like transitioning back to in-person yep. would be correct. There was an earlier one of those, actually. Low-income Arab neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Don't we need low income uh-huh. to be yeah, hyphenated? They're, they're, yep. Describing the neighborhood. Tra- or Arab. Okay. Transitioning back to in-person teaching halfway through the semester presented the challenge. Mm, presented the challenge. Okay. Of keeping students focused for longer periods of time. Most of our students had grown accustomed to 20-minute class periods. Again, you need the hyphen there. As yep. opposed to 35-minute classrooms. There, I think you need hyphens all the way. 35-minute. Yeah, minute. should be. And I would that, be using... Actually, you could avoid that first hyphen because you could have a number. You just 35, you should write out. 20, you should write out as a number, mm. not as a... Sorry, not as a word. 35-minute classrooms. Some had not... Still, the... We're quibbling. These sentences are short. They are clear. This is good. Yep. Some had not attended a class in months. Now, I will say, though, the last three sentences, and I don't know what to suggest here, but they are all about the problem, and I, I feel like we could get there faster, and I, maybe okay. that's why I was I didn't love the presented the challenge. Um, just say the challenge instead of presenting a challenge. Um. I implemented a system to incentivize my students to stay focused. For part of the class time, I would make four or five students out of the class, presumably they take. Oh, sorry. Take four or five. I would take four or five students out of the class and review the material with them in more detail. We observed a significant improvement in the behavior and attention span of our students. Okay. Um, um, yeah. I don't understand this system to incentivize my students to stay focused. I don't either. Yeah, what's the system? Taking them out of class, that's an incentive? To stay focused? It doesn't sound like an incentive. It sounds like you're doing specialized small group instruction to keep them to stay focused, but I don't think that that's an incentive system. This seems like a place where... If there was, in fact, an incentive system to keep them focused, like you were giving them rewards or something, then you need to flesh that out more. And you expressed that you thought it was too short or unfinished. So that might be an opportunity for a place to expand a little bit. Yep. Um, Also, I would prefer the word like motivate instead of incentivize. Just seems Mm. overly technical. Well, it's taking a noun and turning it into a verb. Yep. For the second half of the year, I took over another fellow's position at an underfunded special needs high school. I was placed with a new set of co-teachers with whom I created a series of lessons, lesson plans designed towards the students' capabilities. As a result of the pandemic, my students were at a far lower level than they should have been at their grade. I created a project where the main objective was to make a game using as many English words as possible. I sat down with each student individually to better understand their learning style. I led discussions about current events, giving each student time to give one or two opinions and make TikToks with them when they when I saw they were getting antsy. Made TikToks with them when I saw they were getting antsy. What did I say? <clears throat> make. Oh, made, yeah. Um... Oh, that's funny. I was continuing in my head. The previous thing there is to give one or two opinions. And so then I was continuing that list 
but she's actually going back to a really early one. She, I led and made. Separating verbs that far is just also not generally good. It's the result of... Yeah, that sentence is just broken, right? Because it's a comma after events. Yep. But then there's a never another comma. Yeah. Like she meant to have a clause there, but she just she missed it. It's just a perfect example of where like the longer your sentences get, the more problems they have. And so she did a really good job of keeping all of her sentences short. And then here it's like she's getting lazy a little bit and ends up with something that's kind of hard to read and broken. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, topic wise, I actually really like the TikTok part. That's a nice detail. Mm hmm. I think it's a a good statement. I wouldn't say, I think earlier you mentioned 170s. I'd say mid 160s. I feel like these mistakes really kind of undercut the power yeah. of a good story because then you're like, um, I mean, she's talking about writing, she's talking about grammar, and then you have these mistakes. Law school is a school for word ninjas. So yeah. I don't know if my expectations are too high, but I would expect you to be able to deliver clear prose yeah if you're not a word ninja you're barking up the wrong tree like you you're you're not going to be successful as a lawyer if you're not really really good at words so you need to present yourself as a word ninja in your personal statement i mean it needs to be clear and it needs to be correct i'm not saying that any of these people are not going to be successful as lawyers, but I am saying that boy <laughs> sure raises red flags when you start making mistakes. Yeah. It's, it's, I think when you think about personal statements in college applications, generally um, you have the content piece. You have to write a good, you have to about, you have to write about the right thing, but then you also have to write it well I guess what I'm trying to say is that when it comes to law school, I think that second component, you have to write it well, may be more important than in other college scenarios, right? Like yeah, I, you're coming to a school in which you're going to become a professional, highly paid professional writer. And so I'm putting this in the mid 160s. And, but if you, at the same well, time, if you fix that, all of a sudden you polish this up and your story is good because so many people's stories are not good. Um, you, you can get easily into the 170s. Do we want to read the last paragraph? Let's do it. I volunteered at an organization that advocated for young Arab women in the country. I initiated a weekly all-girls program to talk about career paths. I developed activities that allowed these young women to express themselves throughout, through drama Sorry, through art, drama, dance, and food. These sentences are so much better because she went back to that short declarative sentences yep. about what she did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The chapter leader and I organized mother-daughter events to bring more women to our campus, all in keeping with COVID-19 regulations. Ew. Ew. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that made me like queasy. Um for one thing, you don't need a hyphen there and on chapter, chapter leader. leader. Yeah, it's a weird, you, you missed hyphens elsewhere and then put it in here randomly. Right. When we have two words modifying a word, then you might need the hyphen. Here, chapter leader is just, that's the chapter leader. It's not modifying anything. So you don't need the hyphen between those two. But the thing that really made me 
queasy was the all in keeping with <laughs> what well why look, even look at mention it it's like overly self-conscious yeah about the about the covid-19 regulations what the fuck does that have to do with anything yeah like the fact that you're able to like make people wear masks or whatever, e that's not the point. That's not your point. You've done so much better that you like compliance with COVID-19 regulations. What is that? Ha- I don't know. Yeah. It, it is odd to bring that up there randomly. So just cut the whole thing. But I mean, that sentence, the chapter leader and I organized mother daughter events to bring more women to our campus. Put a period. Yep. Instead it goes, all in keeping with COVID-19 regulations. And it's that the use of all in keeping is what made me just, I don't know. It's so clunky. Go on. In one situation, a young girl I worked with, I worked closely with who had never thought about going to college applied and was accepted to Hebrew university for an undergraduate psychology degree. And that's the last sentence of the paragraph. It does feel unfinished. Yeah. Okay. What's next? <laughs> Here is where that I one mean, sentence I think could help, like tie right, it that, together. By the way, that was a success. Like that, I like that you included that girl. Like that, that's great. I mean, that's a success story. She had never thought about going to college, and now she is going apparently to Hebrew University for an undergraduate psychology degree. That's awesome. But we're here to learn about you. And so, yeah, this is like you get to the end of that and you go, well, do you want to keep doing this work? I mean, it seems like you're doing good work. It seems like you're happy where you are. And so there, yeah, new paragraph, one sentence, maybe two. Yep. Just give me a little bit about what you think is next for you. Like you've you've given me so much evidence. You know, I believe you like I, I look at that all this and I go, wow. You know, yeah. halfway around the world, lots of challenges, but not focusing on the challenges, instead focusing on the successes. You seem diligent. You seem hardworking. You seem like genuine. Uh, what do you want to do? So, yeah, one or two sentences there, I think, E, about what area of the law you think you want to practice in. Um, small quibbles just for you to take note of one, the word closely, a young girl I worked closely with. It's an ad, (laughs) it's an adverb. We don't need it. And I think it would, it would be shorter and better without it. You, you worked with somebody you worked with. Do I need to know that you were particularly closely working with them? No. Why do you even need to say I worked with? Yeah. A young young girl, presumably you worked with her. Otherwise, why would you be talking about this success? Right. We get it. You did. You organized these mother daughter events. You could have just said one of them had never thought about going to college, applied and was accepted to Hebrew University for an undergraduate psychology degree. We get it. You worked with them. See, that's a weird thing that everybody tends to do. They're like they don't allow the reader to fill in any gaps. Yep. But that's a gap that like, yeah, I get it. You worked with that girl. Of course you worked with that girl. Otherwise, why are you bringing up that girl? Yeah. Cool. Wrap it up there. Yeah. I put the today's violations at the bottom. Oh, go through. This is your segment. Go through the violations. Yeah. So violation, uh, we saw, we saw this violation a lot. 
talking about your mental states. We talk about this every time. Stop telling us what you think, what you feel, what you learned, what you realized. The examples from today's show included, I realized, I learned, I treasure, I am drawn to something. I was familiar with something. I was confident that I could do something. Uh, and then I didn't expect something. We, we don't care about your mental states. We care about what you did. Uh, I guess we go back and forth on this, don't we normally? Um, which versus that, I don't know the formal rule, um, but everybody keeps breaking it. I'll, and I'll ben tell you it right now. Every single time. It's pretty simple. So if you use the word that, don't have a comma before it. it need, the word that you're modifying needs to come right before the word that, and there can't be any comma. If you use the word which, you absolutely need a comma because you're now doing a, uh, an un, an, what's it called? A non-restrictive clause. Can we have examples? Um, so... The project that I was working on. No comma. No comma. Uh, the golf tournament that I played in yesterday. No comma. No comma. Yep. And then okay. if I said, um, we, we were very happy with that project, comma, which turned out to be a huge success. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That makes sense. Cool. Uh, the next one is the wood tents. <laughs> We see this oddly often where people are talking in the past tense and then they somehow decide to throw in this wood, which is like weirdly past, but also then projecting forward to the future from the past. Yeah. Just do a control F for the word wood. I do not think you need it. I think you could say it in a better way. Um, People keep talking about served and worked. This is really vague. People say I served or I worked and there's probably a, you could probably just get more specific. I mean, we, we know that you did, we know that you worked like we, we know that you worked at places, but don't tell us you worked at the place. Tell us what you did at the place. So if it's taught, say taught, if it's managed, say managed. Don't say I worked as a manager. Say I managed. Yep. Don't say I served as a teacher. Say I taught. Excellent. Um, we saw, these are the acronyms, CMS, QPP, MPH, HHS. If Oh, there were more in that one statement. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember what they mean. I don't remember what they mean. Your reader is going to hate you for them. Stop saying them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're allowed like one if it's necessary. But even but by then, the time you even then you can usually yeah. shorten a long phrase into one. Like if right. you have like let's say you have a long phrase like, you know, the Houston Medical Center and and someone's like, "Oh, I better do HMC." Well, how about you just refer to it as the center later right. in your statement, right? You can always use a word right. or even yeah, or even Houston. Yeah. If you called it Houston, you we'd probably understand what you yeah. meant. So there's like ways that you could do it with you with real words instead of all of these stupid acronyms. Yeah. Um, people, yeah, home. We haven't seen this one before. I don't think. Maybe we have. Um, home versus hone. Hone means to sharpen. Mm -hmm. You can hone a knife or a skill. You can home in on a target or home in on a goal. Think about a missile that's like searching for its target. That's what homing is. Um, you need to know the difference between those two. People use them interchangeably. They're 
they're not interchangeable. But also you could avoid this whole issue because all it's saying is you focused on something which is essentially a mental state. So, <laughs> so say what you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Someone uh, mentioned that they were a non-traditional applicant. I thought that was odd. That I d- yeah, we didn't bring that up, but it, that is strange. Why are you bringing that up in your personal statement? What is like, that, uh, what is defined as a non-traditional applicant? Why are you even raising right. that and bringing attention to well, it? What does it mean and why do I care? Yeah. I mean, like it, whether you're 20 or 40 doesn't make much difference to me. I don't care. Like I I want to know what's next. I want to know what you're going I want to know what you did and I want to know what you're going to do. You just describing yourself with this conclusory i'm a non-traditional applicant i'm not sure what why what do i why are you including that yeah um show versus telling we always want you to show what you did not tell us things that we then just have to accept as true merely based on the fact that you have asserted them uh some examples from today include i am uniquely suited someone said they were unique. No, you're not <laughs> You're not. I mean, the definition of unique is that there's no one else in your position. Yeah. And that's just not true. Yep. I mean, it's only true in the most trivial sense that everyone is a unique, special snowflake. Nobody, nobody is exactly the same. I mean, that's true. But you don't get to say that you're uniquely suited for anything because there are a million other people who have exactly your same experience. I mean, not precisely trivially your exact same experience, but there's plenty of other applicants who have similar stories and you concluding that you're unique is just, it's, it's just factually incorrect. It's factually incorrect. But even if it were true, we just have to, you're just asserting it. We just have, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I believe you that you are uniquely suited. And then someone else, actually, I think the same person said, I have advanced knowledge. So we, again, just have to believe you. (laughs) I have advanced knowledge. Wow. (laughs) And um, I think the same person also said, I am confident in my ability to excel in law school. Well, that's great. Oh, is it my turn? Stop using fancy words. Uh, Example today was assuaging. Mm. I don't want to see you writing as hard as you can. You know, I'm always thinking about really bad actors. Yeah. It's just like so obvious that they're acting. And I don't want you to act I, I don't, I don't want to see the artifice. Yeah. I want it to just be transparent. Like I want to see a portrait of you. I don't want to think about you going out of your way to include a bunch of fancy words that you're probably not even using correctly anyway. Yep. Oh, just keep it simple, man. Don't, don't write things that you wouldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> we had that confirmed with too, as opposed to confer conferred with but um words more words to avoid we talk about these words all the time we already talked about unique but there's passion we saw that today god damn it stop saying passion someone used the word obtain as well obtain don't use obtain if you could say get you can always say get they said obtain a degree it's like okay but you could get a degree um and then we saw the word former uh Latter and former, yeah. just kind of heavy-handed, overly, yeah. Overly, yeah, yeah references. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> people use too many lists. You basically, um, I'm, you basically too many words per sentence. I think that these are, this is one item here. Yeah. When you, when you have too many commas, too long of lists where you're going to three or four or five things in one sentence, 
that should have been broken up into multiple sentences or half of that shit should have just been left out. Um, you're, when you make long lists, you always end up having them broken. They end up not parallel. They end up hard to, even when they're technically correct, they're impossible to read. Yep. So 25 words, hard maximum, just don't use more than 25 words in a sentence, please. Yeah. This is a, a, a more, um, technical criticism, but starting sentences with heavy words like however, or further, or moreover, or additionally, or nevertheless, as opposed to lighter words like but, or yet, or and. Um, just move your... If you are along. going to do a list, you need to use the serial or Oxford comma. Um, there needs to be a comma before and, and whatever the last thing is that you're going to say. We saw somebody had a missing serial comma today. Yep. Finally, we saw the word closely. That should have been cut, and even more of that phrase should have been cut. But bottom line, look for L-Y. Do a search and replace for L-Y and really decide whether you need that adverb. Cool. Mm. You can be LSAT famous. You can get on an upcoming show with a question or a comment or a bit of news by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. Um, if you're going to submit your personal statement, you need to do that through our gauntlet at uh, lsat.link slash statement. Please do follow our advice. Um, we're going to get more and more picky about which statements we read on the show. Uh, we want to try to focus on the 160s and 170s personal statements instead of having so many of these 140s and 150s personal statements. If you follow our advice, your shit will get better. So follow the advice and then submit your personal statement. Yep. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, we have the best customer service team in the world at help at lsatdemon.com. Uh, they will get right back to you if you have any questions about studying LSAT with us. You should also check out our other podcast. That's LSAT Demon Daily. It comes out five days a week, first thing in the morning. If you just can't get enough of me and Ben. That was episode 319 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs>